We're back on the Fan Morning Show. Sports on 590 The Fan. Justin Cuthbert, Ailish, Forfar. Tuesday, the dust has settled. Maybe you had vacation weekend. Maybe you unhooked yourself from Twitter. You missed a lot. Um, stretching out on the dock, a little hamburger and hot dog and a beer. Got to scroll through it all. Somebody was probably writing some stuff on his iPhone this weekend post yes i just can't wait for a little kipper (laughs) kipper drama um our insider brought to you by don valley north lexus where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom visit donvalleynorthlexus.com kipper happy tuesday (laughs) how are you and if it wasn't a beer on the dock it was my little buddha that's right whatever Mm. suits your fancy did you enjoy yourself this weekend yeah i think i did um uh my wife took me antique shopping beautiful get a rocking chair or something nice like a nice uh, oak yeah. harvest table <laughs> i don't know i didn't really pay attention you got something that's in that house and you're gonna see it be like where did that come from that grandfather clock that oh, i've yeah. never seen <laughs> I, th- I think i was there when she bought it yep, exactly. a candelabra in the hallway um well i'm sure you were a little busy scrolling through all the drama that's unfolding. So, I mean, I obviously saw your um, some of your initial reaction on Friday. Real Kipper and Born was spicy, but uh, you've had some time to kind of like let the dust settle. What are you pondering most um, come this Tuesday morning? Well, I'm just wondering if we, we saw a little bit of a conclusion with Brendan Shanahan's uh, press conference on Friday or... or or is this possibly just the beginning? I'm just wondering where where Kyle is today in terms of feeling like does he need to come out and explain his side of the story, or will he just lay it to rest? So we'll we'll, we'll see. I'm sure in in the coming days. What uh, do we know exactly what Kyle wanted yet? Well, I I think for the most of us uh, on Friday we just put together and connected, uh, you know, the dots. And it was really hard not to with the way Brendan Shanahan laid it out, um, detail uh, from one day to the next, including the package uh, that he received, which we assume Justin had uh, new terms, i.e. salary, i.e. power, what kind of uh, demands were in that? We we don't know. Brendan didn't go into great detail, but you can only assume that whatever he had received was unsatisfactory to uh, to him signing, and he wanted more. So, what more that is, we can assume that uh, it, it is money. There is. Uh, I had I had heard last week that uh, he was in the ballpark of four million U.S., uh, including hours on the company jet. And uh, whether it was more than that, you know, is only speculation at this point. <laughs> Sounds like a nice package. Sign me up for that. Um, so, <laughs> All of us. Yeah, I'm, I'm all right with that. Listening uh, bosses, <clears throat> if you have any say. Um, okay, so Shanahan's motives. I think we were trying to unpack that as well this morning. Um, of, of felt like just an emotional response. Um, obviously, if you look at the timeline, the night before things were all dandy, and the next day you're fired. Um, do you find that? some of this 
could have been just emotion, um, maybe feeling slighted, feeling not embarrassed by what happened Monday, but, you know, caught off guard, uh, blindsided even by the way that Kyle Dubas spoke candidly on Monday. Um, and is it a bad look or is it a, is it a bit of a, a fracture to see a, a decision made that can be kind of speculative that it is a bit of an emotional change? Yeah, Alice, you know, my feeling is that uh, while this looks like it snuck up on a lot of people, especially publicly, uh, I think behind the scenes something was brewing uh, for quite a while here. And, mm-hmm. you know, the way that you could kind of see that there was, uh, you know, physically for us uh, a distance between Brendan Shanahan and Kyle, more so this past season than at any other time. And I'm just not talking of physically not seeing them together in the press box, but there was Mm -hmm. a sense that, and Kyle mentioned this as well, that uh, on his press conference Monday, that this is me, this is me alone, um, and, uh, you know, I've got to stand on my own two feet here when it was kind of questioned, I think, whether Brendan Shanahan was there or not or why he's not there. But uh, no question that something was brewing and something was building. And I I just think last week was the end results of of something that uh, was was stewing for a long time. So, Kibber, one idea that's been kind of clanging around in my head over the weekend was this idea of self-preservation and whether or not it's been a huge, huge detriment to this organization. I think we saw self-preservation with Mike Babcock, who just fought for what was his or what he thought was his, and he thought he could do what he want, wanted, and it got to the point where they decided, hey, we're, we're not going to do that anymore. But Kyle Dubas has that, had that as well, and I think with Brandon Shanahan, maybe we saw it the most here uh, because someone kindly, someone finally rather, kind of went at him. Right? We we believe that Kyle Dubas wanted power, which means less power for Brandon Shanahan. If it, if it, if it's if self preservation is such a big thing, and and people are fighting for their own job security, which I get is just a, a fact and a reality of this world, it feels like if everyone's got their own interests are their own first. That could have a damning effect on an organization that's trying to put a winning hockey product onto the ice. Yeah, you are 100% correct. And and what really transpired isn't much different than what happens in the real world. And I don't care if you're uh, with a major corporation or you're with a sports team. there was a negotiation, uh, i.e. money, i.e. job description, uh, power, whatever you want to say. There are times when it just doesn't work out and it's not a good fit and people walk away. Uh, What's different here is how uh, it played out publicly and how ugly it got publicly last week. And and that does damage to the organization. Uh, No question about it. It's turned off a lot of people that have... Uh, invested uh, uh, financially and emotionally in this hockey club. It was a major setback last week. And ultimately, uh, we can talk about Kyle and the things that he wanted or the things that uh, he, he demanded, but this is on Brendan Shanahan's watch. He is the president. He is the leader. And ultimately, it's now in his hands to to fix it and, and do damage control. What does that mean? Hiring a big name as early as uh, the end of the week, next week? Um, he's going to have to fix this. He's there, there's there, This is a major setback for an organization that 
probably envisioned a championship uh, when 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 they first hired Brendan Shanahan. Uh, right now, he's he's got to fix this. Yeah, and you're seeing the cracks, as you mentioned, maybe within the organization, and maybe we're we're getting a little bit more exposure to the way that the hierarchy works. And I wonder how much you think that affects this job opening, and if it's still an attractive job, if it's lost a little bit of luster, and the type of person that needs to step in with a lengthy laundry list of jobs to do, time to do it, and the pressure cooking even more with eyes on it. Uh, still a good job or has it lost a little bit yeah. of shine? Alice, you know what? That's a fantastic question. And, you know, since 1967, whether you're a player, a coach, a general manager, a president like Brendan, we all envision uh, the ultimate dream, and that's to be a part of the organization when they win. Mm-hmm. And uh, so many failures in the past. But that's the lure. That's the hook that you can talk about a championship in Carolina and Tampa Bay and uh, wherever you want to talk about uh, throughout the league. And then there's the the fantasy uh, of winning a Stanley Cup in, in Toronto. And that's the lure and uh, the attention, the money, the notoriety, all of it comes into play. And I don't think they'd have a problem attracting a big name, either someone who's available now or someone who could be bought out of a contract, you know, i.e. Doug Mm -hmm. Armstrong. So, yes, there is interest out there. Despite the circus, there is interest, major interest. Have you heard anything about Armstrong specifically? Because we've been talking about Armstrong for a couple weeks now. Seems like... You know, it seems like the best fit in that it's someone who has the experience Shanahan talked about, but also someone who's coveted by Hockey Canada, has won before, can make trades, has the connections across the hockey world. Like, I feel like you can't do better than Doug Armstrong. Right. <laughs> have you heard Have you heard anything about, like, the possibility of him actually being able to jump ship, knowing that he has a couple years left on his contract in St. Louis? Yeah, that's that's a big thing, having a couple of years on your contract. Imagine you being uh, uh, in the ownership group of St. Louis and here this and going excuse me so you're just going to come in and steal my guy and i'm going to go hey good luck hey we all want to see the toronto maple leafs win the stanley cup no no absolutely not in today's world you want to get doug armstrong it's going to be very expensive Mm -hmm. you thought you paid uh uh, a price to get rid of patrick marlowe and (laughs) mrazic wait till you go knock on the door of st louis and try to take doug armstrong why would st louis just let him let 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 a guy under contract go and and try to win a Stanley Cup for another hockey club. I, 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 I'm not saying it's impossible, and we know the resources that MLSE has, but this one's going to be a neat trick. Yeah, fire up the jet, seriously, if you're going to try to land that one. Um, <laughs> I wonder what you make of, you've been in, you know, uh, You've been in the, the postseason meetings before, hearing that there's been some tension coming out uh, from the players, you know, uh, speaking, you know, quite candidly um, about how the season went. And obviously the big question is where this leaves yeah, like, Austin Matthews. Listen, like, seriously, you guys don't win. A, you've not, you've won one round in like <laughs> seven years. Mm-hmm. You couldn't win one, you know, you won one game in the second round and you're, going into meetings now and voicing your displeasure. Mm. Yeah, it's really? convenient, isn't it, now? Are you, 
come on. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, I what, hear what this would they, What I would laugh. they even say? What, yeah, like, we were what, trying what, to figure out what they'd be what saying. What would the beef be? Like, uh, what would, uh, would Kerfoot go in there and, and demand that they sign Austin Matthews or he, has, <laughs> he will have no chance of uh, wanting to come back? Like, like it's ridiculous. But this is this is how we make news in, in this city, and we 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 drum up interest. I, I I can't imagine anything that the players would say in their exit meeting that would that would voice displeasure. Hey, here's the displeasure. You guys didn't get the job done. How about that? No, I, you're totally on the ball. Like we were trying to figure out, and the only thing we could maybe come to the conclusion is were they frustrated with the coach? Like were they saying we need a new voice? And I, I mean, maybe, but wouldn't he be sitting right there with them as well? Is that the way it works in an exit meeting, that you're sitting with the coach and the GM? And if so, yeah. is is Keith just waiting yeah. for the new GM to be on the way out? Yeah, uh, I can't imagine. At that point, Ailish, it's just about you and your role and where you fit and where mm-hmm. they see you fitting in. And, you know, Kyle, um, you know, all, all indications uh, point to the, the Kyle not – you know, totally being all in on those meetings that uh, at times he looked distant for obvious reasons, not knowing whether he was going to come back. And, you know, until somebody tells Sheldon differently, I I think he could speak of coming back to training camp next year and and what their thoughts are and and their plans. Uh, But outside of that, it, you know, there wouldn't have been any value in those exit meetings knowing what just transpired um, mm. you know, um, over, over the last little while. So, uh, I think it's every man for himself in those meetings. It's just about you yourself and, and where they envision you as early as September. Uh, there was a report and there has been some chatter that Shanahan, uh, called each member of the core four to let them know about the Dubas decision and potentially gave them assurances that they would be back, or at least that's how the core four felt after the conversation with Shanahan. I mean, if I've heard anything that was particularly troubling this entire time, it would be that because we're talking about autonomy. We're talking about a new GM having to do something. We're talking about uh, a franchise that's hit the wall over and over again. And we were kind of resigned to the fact, hey, they were going to finally do something in terms of a trade. But now Shanahan, before a general manager is in place, might have been letting them know, hey, we're good here. Did you hear that? And what is your reaction to it? I, I I did not hear that, and I'd be surprised if that's the case. If he made calls and reassuring everybody would be back September, I don't understand the value of that. I'm not sure, uh, you know, how credible that is. Um, but in saying that, if he's the president of the of the of the team and the buck stops with him, and he only answers to the board, then that's his prerogative. He can do that. Uh, and it's up to your show, my show, or anyone in the media to challenge that, which I'm sure they would. But, you know, I'd like to hear him say that first, uh, uh, you know, before we, we jump to any conclusions. I, I really believe all, all bets are off when it comes to this hockey club on, on what happens. And, you know, whether or not Brendan Shanahan put closure to this story on Friday or did we just see Act 1 and uh, is there more coming? I, I think that's the bigger question here. It was Friday just the start of something, or was Brendan able to kind of close it off and, and move forward? And I'm sure if it is a Doug Armstrong or someone that's never done the job before who ends up being the general manager, he might want to have a say on on whether or not 
the core four are safe or not. Yeah, and, I think so. You know, it just it just makes no sense for Brendan to come out and say that with no general manager. Um, you know, I, I don't put I don't put much stock in it. What uh, what's your level of confidence in Dubis leaving actually being the positive change that we need to see from this organization? Yeah, I'm okay with it. And at the end of the day, he he won one round on a team that was just barely hanging on. Um, and whether or not you you believe it or not that they they were running out of gas or not, but they they won the series that they were supposed to. But you, you can't lose in the second round to a team that finished 20 points behind you in the standings. And you know, on face value, it's okay that you want to make a change. Uh, at the general manager's uh, role. And that obviously will dictate uh, a lot on Sheldon Keefe. And if you have to make changes and, and get a new voice in and maybe get some more experience in, um, then, yeah, go go for it. Uh, that's When you don't get results, uh, you make changes. And, you know, that's what people were expecting. And they got it. They just didn't know how they were going to get it. Talking to Nick Kiprios, uh, Stanley Cup champ and coast of Real Kipper and Bourne, which is now 2 to 3 p.m. So make sure you guys check out the new hours on our new summertime lineup. Um, okay, Kipper, we often bring this up at, at important moments, but the truth serum idea. You get one question to anyone, and what is the question, and who is it to? Are we talking, uh, like, the leaves? No, uh, any celebrity. Now, of course, the Leafs. Anyone in the Leafs locker room organization. I mean, if you want to take it outside the Leafs, you know, I, I think I'm What other I'm questions do you that. have for the world, you know, Leafs-wise? Uh, yeah, you got to hit someone with a question. You they got to be honest. You want to start with, hey, Austin, how much money yeah. will make you happy? Seriously. And how much of this decision matters with him and the GM? Like, I was going to ask you about that after. But, uh, okay, what's your truth? Yeah. Other than that one, <laughs> the, the the money will will dictate how happy he is going to be, not who is offering it. Mm. You don't think it says like it feels like our conversation has been Dubis and Matthews are so tied together that if there's a different GM, yeah. like it might it, I, he I might call, not want to play here. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I call BS on that. Mm. Good. I mean, <laughs> what, what is he going to follow Kyle the rest of his career? You know, even even I was surprised Jason Spezza quit mm. so fast. Like, like, like you you can stand on your own two feet. You don't have to look like you're, you know, chasing Kyle Dubis or you need Kyle Dubis. I mean, he had a he had a great career. You're you're highly regarded with the Leafs. Let why did you have to jump ship so fast? You know, what do you think happened there? Do you think it was like, you know, Jason was like pumping him now up behind what? the scenes? Like, yeah, go talk to Shanahan. <laughs> and then he just felt bad. And he's like, yeah, oh, I guess here you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, there's no question that they were tight. And uh, he, you, you never saw, you never saw Jason without Kyle. You never saw Kyle without Jason. Mm-hmm. I get that. Uh, he was grooming him. He was, and and my understanding was that he was doing great work, a hard worker, uh, not scared to get his nose dirty, whether it was, uh, you know, at the American Hockey League level or getting ready for a rookie camp. All of that. It was he. He was. He was doing well. He was on his way. I just don't understand why he needed to to leave five minutes after Kyle left. Where do you think those two end up? I guess maybe not those two because uh, Jason Spezza, you know, lives in Toronto, wanted to make this his home. I guess the question is about Dubas. Where do you think Dubas ends up? Uh, 
my guess would be Pittsburgh guys. My uh, my feeling is that I don't know. Do you do you uh, you know you're you're talking about twenty twenty five million dollars for Kyle Dubas that he turned down from the Leafs? Do you do that just not knowing, or do you do it thinking you might have something with a plan B? We'll wait. Time will tell. This Pittsburgh idea, I know it's a change of scenery and it's a it's a different can of worms, but I wonder what makes that attractive. Is it the idea that you get to go in there without the president with his hands around your neck? Or, like, I wonder about Malkin, Crosby, and Latang. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. He thinks he's going to go somewhere else and others won't mm-hmm. hold him accountable. Mm-hmm. He's he's nuts. And the, the, the Fenway group. Yeah. So, you know, it was it was built. This his situation here was built that he didn't have to talk to the board. There's nobody that he needed to to answer to. Brendan was that guy in the middle. And you know, if Kyle felt like it was too slow or he didn't have enough autonomy, well, hey, welcome to the real world of multi-billion-dollar corporations. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the way it is. He, the, the Fenway Group is going to be equally as tough, I assure you, as anything he experienced here at MLSE. Okay? There might be four guys at the Fenway group that we don't know of that would, that would, uh, that would be on top of Kyle if, if he went there. I assure you it would be as difficult or more difficult than what he thought he had here. How would you sum up the legacy for Kyle Dubas as his, in his time with the Toronto Maple Leafs? Hey, uh, a, a great learning experience. How about that for him? That's a positive. Yeah. You know, he's 37. He's not, he's not Lou. He's not 60. He's 37. The education that he had uh, in the last nine years, I mean, I, I think can only help him grow. Uh, and I do think he's a good hockey mind. I, I really do. But there's times when then uh, uh, I just think he lacked maturity. And uh, I think he'll look back at this and, and see some things that he would have done differently. And, and that's something that you only learn with time and experience. You can't, you can't get that lesson at Brock University. <laughs> Taking shots at Brock, eh? The Brock Badgers no, getting at this. I'm, I'm just not. kidding, Kipper. <laughs> not a shot. It's Ailish. It's not a shot. Ailish's at Brock Dartmouth University. came out there no, for no, a second. No. It did. I it know. came out. The Brock Badgers. It's a good squad. They got it's, a sport management it's degree. Telling you <laughs> that there's no better teacher than life yes, experience. Mm. You and can't read it in a book. Mm-hmm. You can't get it uh, in a degree. You have to go and live it. And he got it firsthand in the in the Mecca here in Toronto. So you're right. Learning experience. We'll see where maybe that takes him down the road. Um, lots to, to cover today. Real Kipper and Born from 2 to 3 new hours. Um, enjoy the day, Kipper. Thanks for coming on this morning. We'll chat with you next week. And for the record, my nephew went to Brock University. I love Brock University. It's a nice box. St. Catharines. It's good. It's good. It's good. He's played there in hockey. Go. It's not bad. It's not bad. All right, Kipper, we'll chat soon. Thanks. Okay, guys. Thanks. <laughs> this insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Nick Caprios, real Kipper and born, and just give you a quick update of our summertime lineup because I, I mentioned there's a new time for Kipper and born. So we're six to nine. 
J.D. Bunkus podcast from 9 to 10. And then, of course, the return of Jay's Talk Plus with Blake Murphy from 10 to noon. And then Jeff Merrick from 12 to 2. Real Kipper Born from 2 to 3. Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis now from 3 to 5. And then Blair and Barker from 5 to 7. You taking you right into first pitch tonight, uh, which is a little earlier, actually, because it is in the drop and they start at 640 there so they do whatever they want um, but that's your lineup for today and moving forward <laughs> what kind of accent did you put on <laughs> the trap the trap uh, the tropicana I, I think that's a good point from kipper the learning experience i mean like every you know every job every experience in life in life you're going to have something to learn and learn from mm-hmm. but dubas had he learned he could have kept learning if that makes sense like like it seems like he did mm-hmm overextend and was he getting the proper guidance did he just want to leave really in the end what like he could not do the job under the circumstances that's all fair but if he was getting like the right counsel going after brendan shanahan yeah that's a learning experience because you're not gonna win that right you were never gonna win that i just want to hear the kyle dubas story too let's get that exclusive here oh yeah we need to. That's that's the hottest interview to sit in down. Canadian sports media. We need it on Saturday night panel. Elliot hey, he, and Jeff. He doesn't, he doesn't have a job right now. I mean, he it could be as simple as I'm gonna pay me for an hour sit, sit down. Maybe he'll come on the show and spill it all for us on the fan morning show. That'd be great. Get, so you guys number there, Daniele. The, the tarot cards <laughs> might have. Uh, yeah, he probably has nothing to do with us. Yeah, oh, that's too bad. Um, all right, it's time for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. Oh, I missed that. I heard you had a couple different yum, yum, yums going on in the last little while. Yeah, the gunner yum, yum, yum is... Nothing like the OG, mm. okay? Yum, 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 trademarked by Ailish. Okay, last night, if you were sleeping, you missed this. Um, Denver Nuggets swept the Lakers. And now we can begin the LeBron James retirement question because... It came real quick, um, post-game podium. I was talking to Chris Haynes of ESPN, uh, or TNT's Chris Haynes, um, and was asked about next season because this is obviously going to be looking forward. It's like when Serena and Federer, and we had all this last year, it's like, what's going to happen next for you? Um, James said post-game, quote, he has a lot to think about when it comes to his basketball future. So he just competed, completed his 20th NBA season. He's 38 years old. But the big question about Bronny still looms, right? Mm-hmm. Is he going to want to play with Bronny one day? Bronny's eligible for the 2024 draft. He said many, many times he'd want to play with his son, but that's still a year away. So what happens in the meantime? I mean, he he could still ball. So what's going to be the situation with LeBron James? Is he going to retire? Does he retire for a year and come back and play where Bronny goes? There's so many different ways that this can go that betting markets are already finding ways to profit, but uh, it it could be the end of an era. It could be the pretend end of era, just like Tom Brady. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, my first reaction was you can't do Bronny like that. Got to get Bronny in the league first. Well, yeah, he is certainly helping Bronny get in the league. Um, We do have LeBron James talking. Let's hear it from him himself. See if you can uncover anything in his tone. Okay. We'll see. We'll see what happens going forward. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I got a lot to think about, to be honest. I got a lot to think about, to be honest. And um, just for me personally, going going forward with the game of basketball, I got a lot to think about. 
I mean, he's obviously going to sound pretty sad that he just got swept. <laughs> yeah, and this probably, uh, this could be his last chance mm-hmm. to actually win. I mean, he could probably jump on board with the team next year uh, and have success if he's willing to take a lesser role. He does have a player option for next season. I guess that frees him up just a little bit. I heard some speculation, hey, maybe he takes the year off, then comes back with Bronny, Mm -hmm. rest that body, spend a couple million dollars on the body to make sure it's ready. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it seems like, yeah, when you think, hey, this this is one last chance to get to the dance, maybe one last chance to win how it affects the legacy, can this possibly happen again, how I feel right now, how much I had to put, how much effort I had to put in to get to this point. Yeah, there's a lot to think about. I just, maybe there is a better basketball decision. Maybe the better basketball decision is temporary retirement. I'm not really sure, but I think he's got to think about a lot of things. I think that makes a lot of sense because you only have a couple years maximum left. You only have a, <laughs> you only have a little bit of great basketball left if you so choose to use it. So I think he has to choose wisely. And maybe Mm -hmm. this Lakers team can't have the success he wants. And maybe he's going to have to call his shot. And maybe he does that even before the Bronny factor. I mean, I still expect him to play with Bronny, though. I think I think for me, if I was right now making my I mean, he just what he just set the league all time scorer in this season. Like that's an accomplishment he was chasing and checkmark. I just can't see LeBron James ending his career on being swept. I think that for him there. That's well, it's an, likely going to end in a disappointing way. Of it's course, unless you loss, win. You either likely. win the last game of the season or you don't. But that is a pretty disappointing way to go out. And I think the idea that his son, Bronny, is on the cusp, turn turn the corner, he gets an opportunity to come back, that's like the farewell tour. There will be a farewell tour. It's LeBron James. He doesn't just go quietly into the night. You know, I, I think that it'll be, this is my last year. He'll have his moment to say, this is it. I'm playing one more year. Then we have the whole LeBron season. LeBron's final this. LeBron's final chapter. I think that that's the way it goes. I just can't believe that that would be his last game and he just goes quietly into retirement. He also wants to be, you know, a billionaire upon billionaire mm-hmm. that owns an NBA franchise right. and does all these things. And he has a $50 million player option for next season. <laughs> It's kind of like, I understand when you're at that level, you have enough money and you don't want to embarrass yourself. Maybe no amount of money is worth embarrassing yourself if you can't play, but he can play Mm -hmm. and he's got $50 million to potentially earn. Then he sets himself up to earn another massive sum of money and help his son get into the NBA. Like I, I expect him to be involved in the NBA. Well, beyond, you know, consulting or ownership (laughs) or whatever. I expect him to play because I expect him to actually go through with his word and play with Bronny, but also because there's a ton of money there and he can still play basketball at a high level. Yeah, 50 mil is 50 mil. All right, let's shift. He can, he can roll out of bed and make 50 mil, though. That's if, true. Like, he'll find a Do way. Do one Instagram post. The sponsors are going to want to keep him playing as well because there's there's money. That too. Um, all right. We hesitated. We pushed it as far as we could. The Blue Jays talk. It's coming. Um, they have lost seven out of their last eight, five straight. Uh, they dropped their series opener against... The AL East leading race, 6-4 last night. They got three more chances down at the Trop. Uh, we're going to speak with Matt Joyce, former MLB outfielder, all-star, and current race TV analyst. He spent one full season with Kevin Kiermeyer back in 2014. Uh, what makes Kevin Kiermeyer so beloved? We know some reasons, but uh, maybe there's a little more to uncover from him. He got his return last night. He got a little video board tribute. We'll talk about him and how the Rays have just come out red hot and are leading the AL East. That's next with Matt Joyce. The best Blue Jays show out there, period. 
Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590 Fan, Justin Cuthbert and Ailish Forfar this morning. Uh, it's been a rough ride for the Toronto Blue Jays. Ugh. You've been keeping tabs on their failures? No, I can't. It was pretty rough. It, it was just, pretty it rough. A, what a fall from grace. Yeah, great series against the Braves. Just get alphaed by Aaron Judge. That was a dramatic S- homestand, eh? Swept away by the Baltimore Orioles. And now uh, they're in a little trouble here against the Tampa Bay Rays in the four-game set. To talk about that and more, we're going to bring in Matt Joyce, former MLB outfielder, all-star, and current Rays TV analyst. Also spent one season as teammates with Ailish's favorite player, Kevin Kiermeyer. <laughs> good morning, Matt. <laughs> good morning, everybody. How you doing? Uh, we're pretty good. So let's let's start with the outlaw. Let's start with some positive stuff. Kevin Kiermeyer has been a real, real positive, one of the few, at least recently, here for the Toronto Blue Jays. What makes him the outlaw? What makes Kiermaier Kiermaier? The outlaw. I love this guy, man. He uh, so he was one of the last Rays that I ended up playing with uh, that was left in Tampa. He came up when I was still there. And I remember we were playing Texas in the playoffs. And it was kind of late in the game. They were like, Matt, you're coming out of the game. And this time, I mean, like, I'm late 20s. Like, I, I'm not 35. You know, like, I'm not a, um, you know, uh, somebody that's just a concern in the outfield, right? Like, I'm, I handle myself fine in the outfield, 20, 27, right, roughly 28, right around there. And and so they pulled me out of the game, and I'm just like, why why are you taking down this game? Like, who is this kid, you know? <laughs> and they were like, just just trust us. And so, of course, uh, KK made he made a running play in the gap. Or, I mean, his, his speed was off the charts. He threw, like, 100 miles an hour from center field and, uh, and it was just ridiculous, like, what he was able to do in the outfield. And he's still doing it, which is incredible. But one of the best teammates, one of the best outfielders I've ever played with, um, you know, the only issue with KK was him staying healthy because he plays so hard and he plays so fast. Mm. Uh, that's, that's the only thing is just trying to keep him healthy. Is he one of those guys that just, like, annoyingly does athletic things at all times? Like, I've had friends that are just, like, way better at everything than me, and they just do things that make me annoyed because they just do things so well, even just beyond baseball. Are there things that he's really, really good at? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely one of those guys, and he's not going to rub it in your face. He's really humble. Um, but he's, he's definitely a freak athlete. Um, I never really got a chance to, to like play basketball or anything with him, but I can tell you right now, he, he'd be good at anything that, that he, uh, he, he does. So uh, the Rays decide to not pick up his player option, and now the Blue Jays uh, get to have KK here, and he has certainly won the hearts of a lot of Toronto fans. Um, and he made a bold statement when he when he signed with the Blue Jays that he wanted to make some GM look like a genius, and obviously that's uh, the Toronto Blue Jays GM because he certainly has come in and been a bit of an unsung, maybe unexpected hero this season um, through the ups and downs of the Toronto Blue Jays. What's he do so consistently that's made him a reliable option for the Blue Jays offensively and defensively? Well, obviously, you can see his talent is off the charts, but I think his, his demeanor, right, like his, his mindset, uh, his work ethic is, is really uh, the biggest reason that he's been able to not only make the big leagues, but, but stay there for so mm-hmm. long. Um, even when he was coming up, you know, he, he worked extremely hard and again, the the only thing that was um, ever holding him back was was the injuries, <clears throat> and so 
you know, typically it's kind of something you see that with players that play so fast when they have so much speed, they're sliding the second really hard or, um, you know, they're running to the wall really hard, whatever it is. Um, they play the game so fast that the, the chance of injury goes up. Uh, but he, he, he just wants it. You can tell he, he wants to be the guy. He wants to make the, every play that he can. Um, he wants to win. He wants to be a good teammate. It's just, you know, how he's wired uh, is really what makes him special. So Matt, let's go to the, let's go to the Tampa Bay Rays now. And I wonder for you, uh, you know, 22 and four at home, 35 and 14 overall, to what extent have they exceeded your expectations to start the season? I think the, the biggest thing has been the offense you know, leading, leading the big leagues and home runs um, is, is a real big surprise across MLB. Um, you know, typically you, you see teams that if they have power like the Yankees, they don't have a ton of speed. Or, you know, if you have a young team like the Orioles, they have a lot of speed, but they don't have the power, right? And, and Tampa, with, with the Rays, it's, it's, they, they kind of have the complete package. It's just a matter of keeping their guys healthy, which, um, you know, Rasmussen, their starter, uh, had an issue. Springs kind of down. They're getting glass now back. They just got Fairbanks back, which is – those guys are huge. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the amount of home runs that they hit and then the, the, the depth, uh, the amount of players that have contributed and, and been able to uh, produce – uh, and chip in, you know, typically you'll see, you know, two or three guys that are on a roll and, and you're kind of leaning on those guys, but it's, it's like everybody up and down the line. You have guys hitting 300, you know, with six, seven homers on the bench. And you're just like, what, how, how is this guy on the bench? So, um, yeah, they're, they're pretty, uh, really talented. They have a lot of depth and, uh, they have a lot of ways to beat you. Yeah, and specifically at home, uh, where they seem to have one of the best records, 22-4 and four at home. Uh, how have they made this home field advantage work for them? That, that doesn't seem like an outlier. 22-4 and four is certainly is something to uncover. What is it about the TROP that's just been working for the guys? Well, I mean, for me, when I played at the TROP, it was uh, a feeling of coming home. It was a feeling of comfort, um, familiarity, confidence, where you're – your fans are behind you. Um, they just had a, a, a really long road stretch where, uh, you know, they lost two to Baltimore. They split with the Yankees and then lost two to the Mets. And uh, and so I'm sure they were excited <laughs> to get home. They're like, all right, let's let's get back on track. You know, we're we're comfortable at home, and and let's uh, let's get headed in the right direction. So there's definitely some of that feel uh, there of, of like a confidence and and comfort, uh, comfortability. Uh, for that team. Uh, Matt, you mentioned uh, Glasnow coming back. Uh, Jeffrey Springs was lost for the season due to injury, uh, but still, like, it doesn't slow this team down, having major pitching injuries and having disruptions to the rotation. Do you think that's the mark of a great organization when you can lose pitching and you can still keep that level? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people were kind of scratching their heads when they went out and signed Eflin. Um, who's been phenomenal. Uh, I had a chance to play with him in Philly in 2021 and another incredible teammate and, and um, you know, really just a guy that, that is uh, a horse on the mound. Like, I mean, pounds the strike zone, picks up, eats up a lot of innings, you know, knows how to pitch. Um, but, you know, they went out and said, they understand injuries are going to happen. You can never have too much pitching. 
Um, and so they went outside and Eflin when people were expecting them to sign a big left-handed bat. Obviously, they were aware, hey, we have a couple lefties that are in the wings here with Josh Lowe and Luke Raley. Uh, we like these guys. We don't want to, you know, force something, uh, force a move if, if we don't feel like it's a good fit. And so they didn't sign, you know, Brandon Bell, which obviously, you know, signed with Toronto um, or any other lefty. And now, obviously, they look like geniuses again because Joshua is going off. We really had a, a big homer last night. And, um, and, yeah, I mean, obviously, like I said, you can't have enough pitching in the MLB because it's such a long season. You have injuries. Things come up. And so pitching and defense really wins championships. It's just a matter of will you get the timely hitting. Uh, and that's, I mean, you just kind of pointed us in the direction of the Toronto Blue Jays, who have not gotten the timely mm-hmm. hitting of late. Uh, their pitching's been okay. Alec Manoa having the season he's having is hurt, but it's held up. But there's actually no one behind the the starting rotation for the Blue Jays, which is a big, big concern. But also the fundamentals have been a concern. I mean, this team uh, tried to kind of disperse the talent a little bit to be more fundamental this year. They have fundamental players. I mean, Kiermaier is one of those guys leading that charge. But the fundamentals are letting them down. And we saw it last night with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Continued base running uh, mistakes, errors. This Blue Jays team despite being labeled as fundamental is failing to be or in failing with the fundamentals. So what, in order to be like a good fundamental team, what does that require? Cause clearly it's not just up to every individual. At least it seems like what makes a fundamental team actually good with the fundamentals. I think it's something that you see, um, or typically with a younger team, which obviously the blue Jays are, um, you know, they just get a little, comfortable, uh, a little on their heels sometimes. Um, but, I mean, really it's a combination of uh, prep, preparation, you know, doing doing the boring work, um, you know, understanding, you know, where you're going out, where, where you're going with the ball, thinking ahead, being one step ahead if you're on the base pass, what, you know, what am I doing here if this happens? Um, doing the boring work of, like, getting your reps, getting your reps, making, you know, it really challenging so the game, when it gets in the game, it's it's uh, easier. I wouldn't say easy, but it's easier. You know, you're, you're uh, used to uh, harder hit balls and, and the ball spinning uh, different ways on the infield. Um, but, again, I, I think every team kind of goes through – I mean, it, it's such a hard game that every team goes through – those ebbs and flows of the season where like sometimes, you know, things just aren't really going your way. And Toronto's uh, in that spot right now where things just really haven't gone their way. They haven't got the big hit. Um, but for me, I mean, I, I always tell people like, I, I'm a big fan of this team. Like I, I really think the Blue Jays um, are a good team. They're a very good team. To your point, I think they're, they're missing one or two um, pitching uh, pitchers uh, to really kind of round out that team. But the amount of young talent that they have on that team is, is incredible, and it's so much fun to watch. We're speaking with Matt Joyce, uh, former MLB outfielder, all-star, and current Rays TV analyst of the Blue Jays down there playing the Rays. Um, three more games on this road trip against them. Uh, I wonder, in your experience, what a manager's role is right now when the Blue Jays are scuffling a little bit. Um, I know John Snyder had said enough is enough on the weekend. He's a little bit frustrated, like outwardly, but you go into the clubhouse, you go into uh, times where the players need to step up, but also manager needs to maybe manage a lot. Like, what would you think that the struggles are that he's facing right now with this team that's kind of scuffling a little bit and in important times against some AL East uh, divisional rivals? 
it depends on on you know what the feel is in the clubhouse. You know, sometimes guys can get a little bit uh, laid back or relaxed. It really depends on who you have. Um, you know, the effort has to be there, and, and if the effort isn't there, then you got to kick them in the butt. You know, you got to light a fire. And um, you know, if, if that's not the case, if if the effort's there and they're trying really hard and things aren't going the way, but they're just tense. Um, you can tell the, you can tell like the, they're just trying too hard. They're putting too much pressure on themselves. Then it's really the opposite where it's like, listen, take a deep breath. Like we're really good. Okay. We're, we're fine. We're in a really good spot, but we need to continue moving forward and we need to take a deep breath and, and, you know, trust, trust yourself, trust each other um, and, and pick each other up, you know, and sometimes, um, when things aren't going right, when you're losing, it's very easy to point fingers. It really exposes the flaws. When you're winning, then, you know, it, it fixes a lot of problems, right? Like, Aaron, you're still winning. Oh, you, you might have struck down the bases loaded, or you might have made an error in the middle of the game, but, like, it's overlooked because you won the game, right? So, I mean, <laughs> again, winning solves a lot of problems. Losing, losing <laughs> creates a lot of them. Uh, last one for you, Matt. I mean, it's been a it's been an interesting season with all the rule changes and all the changes across Major League Baseball. And I think the key learning, maybe if you're a Blue Jays fan right now, might be the importance of divisional games. The Blue Jays are 33% of the way through those divisional games. They're 5-13 and 13 against the AL East as it stands. Like, is that something that the Rays have picked up on as well? Like, the importance of these games? Or does that, is that just underscored when you're 5-13 and 13 and you've fallen behind? I mean, we, we cover hockey a lot on this show there's the four-point game when you're playing a division rival or someone you're chasing in the standings and these feel like four-point games a little bit because you play so few games against the division and if you fall behind as the jays have but you're in a really difficult spot yeah i mean i i think you are definitely aware of it as a player you know when i when we went in toronto when you're playing yankee stadium you know even brandon loud just spoke to it um over the weekend he's like it they, it feels like playoff games Right, I feel like playoff games where the games just matter a little bit more, um, and you know that hey, these are the the teams in our division. These are the teams that we have to beat, and this is a, a really good test to to see like where are we at? Are are we as good as we think we are? And and um, again, when when you're playing those teams, it's like it's it's a good litmus test to where um, you 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 definitely want to win, you, and, and it's a good. Uh, way to see like where you're at, right? Like how, how good you are. So um, I, I think it's again, it's a long season, right? Like we still have a lot of baseball to play, which is crazy. Um, so a lot can happen. I, I do think these three teams and really four teams with Baltimore, I mean, that Baltimore has been a really oh, big yeah. surprise for me. I, I think they were good, but I, I don't think anybody really had them, uh, you know, this good. Uh, so it's going to be, Fun and interesting and exciting to watch this last month. Which, granted, we have ways to go, but the last month going into the, the last month of the season with these four teams and as good as they are battling it out down the stretch uh, will be a, a lot of fun. Yeah, another playoff game, and it, it, the Blue Jays threatened to, you know, have another key learning this year was like it's hard to catch up ground when you waste a lot of divisional games early and you have to wait for September uh, to play a team like the Rays again. So some important games here for the Blue Jays and for the Tampa Bay Rays. That series will continue tonight. Uh, Matt, this was fun. Thanks again, or thanks for jumping on with us. Of course, anytime. Enjoy the enjoy the uh, the series here, and uh, we're, uh, looking forward to to seeing the boys 
shake out. So appreciate your time. Thanks, Matt. Uh, that's Matt Joyce, who also, like you, likes a litmus test. As soon as he said litmus test, I'm like, I'm happy I'm back. Litmus <laughs> test on the radio. We didn't have to try it. He came out himself. There um, you go. I was looking at the Toronto Blue Jays schedule at the end of this season, and I know I mentioned it early on, but they end their season with a road trip to play the Yankees, a road trip to play the Rays, followed by the Yankees coming to town, and then the Tampa Bay Rays coming to town. Those were those are their last, I don't know, 40, 20, like 16 games. Mm-hmm. They end with those two teams. So think about how important September 19th to October 1st can be for well, this team. Well, I, I don't want to be too alarmist, but like... And then Boston I, also I'm before wor- that too, but... I'm worried that those games will even matter. Mm, that's Because tough. as I mentioned, like 5-13, and 13, let's say this series doesn't go well. This is the meat of the schedule. This is the mm-hmm. most difficult time on the schedule for the Blue Jays right now, other than maybe late September. But if you f- fall behind here... I, I don't think Baltimore, Tampa, New York, Boston, I don't think they're going to slow down playing predominantly the AL Central and the yep. AL West over the next couple months here. Like, it's going to be difficult to standings watch when you're in the AL East. And if you put yourself in the position where you are dead last, <laughs> a comfortable fifth, it's going to be really hard to make up ground. Think about that trade deadline. Like, you're going to win a lot of games, mm-hmm. but I don't know if the other teams are going to lose games. That's it, the issue right now. Things could be certainly different this time around. When we were predicting what the trade deadline could be, okay, there would just be, you know, maybe a, a real good bullpen arm away. Maybe you know that uh, Hunjin Ryu's on the cusp. You might have some of your guys back in a great rotation, but it's feeling like that trade deadline might be a little bit of a, a, a different approach for the Blue Jays. And maybe a different guy at the at the manager seat too like people are Ooh. calling for i'm just saying English. i read the twitter fan base okay. i'm not calling for that i'm saying that at this point things are shake up season people yeah. are like oh don mattingly's sitting right there i'm like i don't know if i'm ready to press you're that button that, yet. you were calling that last off season no i was saying that it is interesting that don mattingly is now sitting beside john snyder as all this is going on but i don't think we're at that point yet everybody can Press the brakes a bit. We might be there sooner than later, though. We yeah. like we're, uh, we're uh, if this doesn't go well over the next couple of weeks in this hard meat of the schedule, mm-hmm. we're going to be having some real discussions about what July looks like yes. for sure. When we're almost there, June's right around the corner. They got to start winning. Some I ball believe games. it was July th- or mid July when Charlie Montoya was fired. It is only May twenty third, so. Those We're not are, there yet. We're th- not there those yet. Those are dates. Um, all right, we got a good vibes hour to wrap up the show. Uh, Jackie Redman joins us at 8, followed by Colby Armstrong. We'll get a Penguin's Pulse. We'll get a look around uh, Florida, Panthers, Hurricanes, WWE. Like, just lots of good vibes, hopefully, to come in this final hour. And then we'll do our Wake and Rake. Um, we do have an update on the Fanex Cup, which I'm trying to push until the very last seconds of the show. Is, it is not favorable for myself. Um, nonetheless, we will get to it because you deserve your flowers because they don't come often. Thank okay? you, Ayla. <laughs> so you can have them at 8.54, okay? Okay. All right, Jackie Redman on the other side of the break.